0: You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I want to thank you for making Locked On Indians your first listen every morning, free and available on all podcasting apps uh, I know Friday there were some issues with, uh, with lockdown and I probably should more say megaphone in general. So thank you to everyone who, uh, was, a, was patient and got the show. Uh, again, if you missed, if you missed, the, if this is your first podcast, I am Jeff Ellis, your host formerly of Scout and 24 seven, where I was the national prospect and draft analyst, uh, appearing on ESPN radio and drive time throughout the country, uh, you know, mostly focused on the draft prospects as well was a part of the game back then. Before that, I was, if there's a Cleveland sports blog, I appeared on it or was mentioned on it for, mo- again, draft stuff. That was my primary thing. Now, talk about the Indians, and we have some things to talk about with this team. We'll dive into that. Uh, let's talk with uh, the bit of news. I don't know if it really counts as news, but what came out, uh, I think, Friday night, that the Toronto Blue Jays actively tried to cut wire Jose Ramirez and somebody else I'm blanking on who it was. The interesting thing was to go and try to figure out this trade. One thing I can tell you is a trade for Jose Ramirez um, with the the Blue Jays. Basically, uh, to to go out and get a Jose Ramirez, uh, they would have had to choose between Jose Barrios or Jose Ramirez. They could have only acquired one. They could have only gotten one Jose. Because you go and you look at what a Ramirez deal would be. And even like Biggio and Groshans. Like Groshans is the major piece they have left if you're Toronto to go out and make a trade. Uh, Biggio took a bit of a step back this past year. So it leaves them with a few less assets. It's part of the reason they were looking for an upgrade at third base. You know, if you missed it this past year, uh, Biggio was 224, 322, 356, a 678 OPS, and 86 OPS plus. He was a below league average bat. And in terms of his defense, he was just about average. That marks, uh, you know, it's not necessarily a three-year decline, but, you know, he, he's a player who only 100 games in 2019, of course, just the 59 last year. Uh, so he had 159 games coming into this year. So you don't really know uh, going forward. Yeah, he's got, let's see, he can't be a free agent until after the 2025 season. So you're thinking that's a lot of team control. He should have a ton of value. We don't really know what he is as a player. Like we now have two seasons that combined equal one season of strong data, good performance and then one of, of bad performance that he could not get out of his own way it was jose ramirez or jose ramirez i say it was Ro- robbie grossman was the other player that uh that the blue jays tried to get so my thought is they probably tried to get jose ramirez when they traded for jose barrios they were looking for a bat and thought grossman might be the someone they could still acquire so that's that's how i would look at it and i bring all of this up just to be like you know biggio i think would still appeal to the indians groshans would certainly appeal to the Indians. But I, I think you would have had to look at some of those players they traded away, like Simeon Woods Richardson and Austin Martin. We know the Indians liked Austin Martin enough that they drafted him out of high school. You know, him and Asa Lacey, two of those top five picks were guys they drafted in the, what, the 30s of the, their high school draft year. So essentially, they talked to the Twins, they talked to the Indians. When they decided to go with Barrios, so that meant there was no way at Ramirez. And they, the, Jose Ramirez probably wasn't really on the block, anyways. But the Blue Jays are kind of in a hard situation in general. I won't, This isn't locked on Blue Jays. I won't dive into all of it. They did not make the postseason. Uh, some of their, they've promoted or traded a lot to the point that they're a little picked over. Like I said, you still got Groshans left up there, who's a very interesting player. They just drafted Gunnar Hoagland, who I liked. But, uh, you know, the catching situation, they've got all those names. Uh, I guess Gabriel Moreno probably has a ton of trade value. Alejandro Kirk, one of those guys. And Martinez, uh, the shortstop. So I mean, there's still some upper tier guys, but they just—it's not where it once was. So when this rumor came up, I mean, it's the most recent bit of like Indian stuff on MLB trade rumors. It—it's you know, it's interesting, but it doesn't mean anything really in terms of the Indians because it doesn't say that there was trade talks. It just says that the Blue Jays acquired inquired about him, which makes sense. Who wouldn't want to add him to their team? And you know, outside of the The changing of the hitting coach and that Tito is set to return and then just the the recent releases and the AFL stuff um, you know uh, there hasn't been a whole ton of information uh, in general for the team I mean MLB trade rumors you can go back to after the those three bets you know uh, the last bit of information they had was September 24th so it is kind of the quiet time as it is for as it were for the uh, Cleveland Indians franchise right now I'm sure they are burning up the phone lines. I had a big discussion with the Mad Thinker the other day uh, discussing, you know, we're, we're both kind of wondering if this team will make any consolidation trades. Uh, we're hoping for it. I think a lot of people are. I, I don't think it's necessarily a guarantee that they will. Um, they might just... Because here's what it comes down to. I think when you look at, and something I brought up to, uh, to the Mad Thinker, to... Mike over there, is that, uh, you know, I think in some regards, they would almost rather lose talent than accelerate a player uh, being added to the 40 man and losing um, options and things like that. They would rather kind of gamble than just uh, gamble that they can keep a guy, uh, gamble on, on a few other points rather than just dive in and make a bunch of trades. I think that there is a degree of, well, you know, if everyone passes through waivers, then we got a whole nother year to make decisions on people. Now, I don't think everyone will pass through waivers, but uh, I, I think that is definitely a part of the thing that they are thinking about with uh, this team going forward. And it is interesting. you know, It's going to be hard for this team, in some regards, to make a big move this offseason. Uh, you know, I, I highly recommend going and reading Zach Meisel's piece over at The Athletic about what the uh, Guardians return to contention for 2020. I think it's a great piece, very in-depth. He hits on a lot of things. But when you're looking at that idea of how this team gets better, they're in kind of a hard spot because Nolan Jones, you know, he—I don't think they would have traded him because he's a little bit of a distressed asset in general, and this team never sells low on players. They—they like to buy distressed assets, not trade them. Uh, but with with him and Freeman needing off, off season surgery, that gets rid of two potential uh, tradable assets. I don't know how they value or look at other spots, but. Uh, It's going to be interesting. Something else that came up talking with Mike. uh, We both were talking about Vestida and how independently of each other, we have heard some very positive views about him in terms of his uh, defense, just as general athleticism. Keep an eye on him. I think my general consensus talking uh, with the Mad Thinker, based on what we've heard from others, is he's going to get a shot. Now, the Indians have moved guys very quickly through the minors, and then we're not (laughs) promoting anyone to the majors. Uh, We've seen it with Daniel Johnson. We've seen it with Nolan Jones. Uh, They're promoting backup types. You know, like Ernie Clement was up a lot, but he's more of a backup type. So I don't know. Like, there's a chance that they're going to add Valera, Freeman, Lavastie all these guys to the 40-man. Like, those are sure bets. But we may not see any of them next year. (laughs) They seem to get these guys close up to the big leagues and then just kind of have them wait or they it's more of a desperation turn and then especially because Tito's coming back and Tito does not like to play young players so they have this wave of young players who's getting up there Uh, I there's going to be more of a push to add vets there's going to be more of a push to trade for vets Uh, I'm curious to see what will happen but I it's like I said with Tito's health he's got a year or two left but as long as he is there I mean this is the man who loved Michael Martinez and Oh man, times have changed. I'm forgetting the uh, the white shortstop who they traded to the Reds for cash consideration. You know, sometimes things just go and they leave your head because it's not important anymore. Uh, but yeah, no, they uh, they've loved these retreads and they will continue to add retreads because that's what Tito likes. So as much as I love that there's going to be all this talent, I am a little bit concerned for the team in general with this idea that they're not going to play those players. Uh, that we're going to have. The Rocchios, the Freemans, just kind of ending the year in AAA without any big league of bats. Listen, Nolan Jones has to get a shot, uh, I think. But, you know, you would think Gabriel Arias has to get a shot. Who knows? Uh, I just have this sinking feeling we're going to enter next year with Rosario at shortstop. uh, Second base being like uh Jimenez and it, then it's you know giving them half a year to see what they can do before changing oh. things up we'll talk a little bit more about Rosario in the second place I got a question from Andy uh D.B. about uh I'm getting a lot of questions but he's the one who specifically so give him a shout out uh about Joe Joanski Noel so I sat down and did some research which I think will help a lot of people maybe feel a little more comfortable about uh yeah he's not getting selected but uh, make sure to tune in. Segment two, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk some more, just historical World Five stuff, and why Johnsky Noel is uh, is staying an Indian. And that sponsor today is Direct TV Stream. If you watch the football games, there's no way you do not know about Direct TV Stream. Now it is the Serena Williams commercials. If you are curious, but let me tell you a little bit more about it. Does this sound familiar? Yeah, one device lets you catch the game live. Another lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone. You got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible devices. Required content varies by package. So I I did my tease before about uh, talking Rule 5. So I went back and looked at the last 10 years of Rule 5. Uh, There has been one player who is primarily a third baseman drafted. Uh, I was looking for guys who were first baseman or third baseman. So let's dig into the names. I did not pull up many in general over that decade. Uh, So the first guy, Mike Ford. You might remember him from the Yankees. The year he was drafted, he had been all the way up to, uh, to double and triple-A. To give a comparison, uh, next player of note who you can compare with is Josh Rutledge, who was more of a shortstop and second baseman. Uh, those were his primary positions, and he had already played multiple seasons in the big leagues. Connor Joe, who is a first-base former first-round pick, you know, regarded in that uh, level, who uh, had been with the Pirates. He had gotten up to double and triple-A before he was selected. Let's see, the best comparison, guys, I will say, if How about G-Mon Choi, who's now over with the uh, the Tampa Bay Rays? He had spent three straight years in triple-A before he was taken in the Rule 5 draft in 2015. Are you familiar with Mark Kaneha? You should be. He's going to be, I think, one of the hotter free agents. Uh, he had been up to double and triple-A, and his final year in triple-A before he was selected... Uh, in new orleans he had a 303 384 505. he was quite excellent 20 home runs 57 walks uh, scouting point was never high on him but he just kept performing uh and again that was in AAA. so you have chris mcginnis you might remember the year the indians lost both hector Rondone and anthony santander in the same draft uh they left space for no that's wrong Uh, McGinnis was the year they lost TJ McFarland, uh, who is still bouncing around, uh, baseball as a lefty. They lost TJ McFarland, former second round pick, actually one of their more effective second round picks. If you were to do like their best second round picks in terms of war of the last 20, last 20 years, I guarantee you TJ McFarland's top five. Uh, that being said, they took Chris McGinnis that year from Texas. He's a little more similar because the year before they drafted him, he had only been up to double A. Uh, that past year he had performed he had walked a lot and he had uh, 23 home runs uh, with he was 24 years old and had been up to double a so he's a little bit similar there's also Nate Friedman who went that same draft another first baseman Uh, he had been up to double and triple a as well and performed well and was in his mid-20s and then okay so the, the last two guys we really have to discuss is Michael Almanzar, who uh, was the only player who's listed as a primary third baseman drafted in the last decade in the Rule 5 draft. And he had had a very uneventful year in AAA, uh, 268, 328, 432 stat line in Double A Portland. And then the next closest player you really have is Michael Martinez, because the year before Michael Martinez was selected, uh, he had in 20... 20- no, I, I'm wrong about that, actually. In 2010, he had actually paid. I I was looking at the wrong year at first, because he was taking the 2010 draft, so never mind. Uh, Michael Martinez played all over, he didn't actually play any third or first that year, so Michael Martinez is actually a bad comp, so we're going to skip through that. I was looking at the previous year data. So long story short, that is 10 years of drafts, that is uh, over 100 players, one third baseman, Uh, every single player who is a first and or third baseman had played at least one season at AA, if not multiple seasons in the upper minors well isn't getting taken. There's just, you know, yes, Anthony Santander had not played, but he was an outfielder. It's easier to hide an outfielder. It's easier to shuffle that guy in, and it's easier when they're hurt. Uh, That's why, you know, I do wonder, Cantillo, if they're going to try to slide him through, even though he's hurt. Uh, The fact they didn't send him to Arizona Fall League, even though he very likely needs those reps, is interesting to me. That They decided to send him out there not send him out there they didn't want him to get those extra views uh because they're going to try to slide him through whereas someone like jose Tenya, uh, part of me wonders with all of the infield depth if they feel like they can't protect him but it's a great way to showcase his value and maybe get additional trade value out of him that is also very possible so yeah uh long story short i know people are nervous about noel you really don't need to be uh it would be a massive massive shift it would be a change that's kind of really unlike anything we've seen in, you know, 10 plus years of the draft. The The data says that, uh, it, you know, it, it's you, nothing's a 0% possibility, but it's, you know, like an under 5% possibility that someone would snag Noel. So, like I said, I mean, even in general, third baseman, there's been one. Uh, first baseman are more likely. Second baseman infielders are much more likely. Outfielders are much more likely. Catchers are even slightly more likely. Third basemen just do not get selected. I don't know if it's often not a position of need, and maybe that's why, or if it's because uh, a lot of teams protect a third base. You know, I don't have a good reason. But, uh, and let's be honest, most people don't think Noel is going to end up a third long-term anyways. That's why I also profiled the first baseman. But you're looking at a guy who split time, didn't even split time, what, 80% of his season was in low A. Uh, Going through, there was not one player, who spent you know, their entire season in just high A before they were selected, uh, let alone one who spent the majority in low A. So data says don't be nervous. Of course, now that I've said that, he'll get selected. But uh, yeah, I don't even have it. Because like, this isn't, again, that year Santander had, and what I was talking to you with people in the organization, I thought he was one of the top 10 prospects on the team. That's why I wanted to protect him. I thought he was a top 10 prospect in the Indian system that year relatively easily. Uh, the system's a lot better now, but... Noel is like 16th, 17th. He's pretty far down the list for me. I know other people want to jump up because, this, you know, starting, scouting the stat line. I really caution it in this example. But he's not a top 10 prospect. He's not that guy. It's a system that has depth, and he is playing a position that rarely gets selected, and he's playing at a level that is even more rarely selected. So you combine the two. Don't trust about Jawanski and Noel. And I kept saying Johnski. It's John Kesey, isn't it? Well, either way, my pronunciation's terrible since everyone should be used to that by now. Uh, I'm going to take a quick commercial break right now. We're going to come back and do some historical talk about the Cleveland Indians. And that sponsor is a favorite. It is Bilt Bar. And let me tell you, if I didn't have a few boxes of it right now, I'd be using that promo code locked on to put a new order in. Churro Puffs are there. Strawberry Puffs are there. And Apple Almond Crisp, or as it should be read, Yeah, apple almond crisp uh, are all available as special favors right now. And there's still cherry lime, which I have not had a chance to try. Personally, if I was doing it, I like the puffs. I would be going for churro for sure. I thought those were delicious when they sent us the order. I'd probably try a strawberry. I'd I'd be doing a a eh, three-box order. I don't know. I'd have to decide between cherry and apple. It's a hard choice, but... Again, I highly recommend the puffs. The churro puffs are great, and the churro puffs have been around for a time. So if you want to get out there and try them, you want to do that right now using the promo code Locked Fifteen. That's what I use. And the more you order, you build up those built bucks. I get five bucks off every order, plus uh, the additional, you know, from the built bucks plus the fifteen percent off. So you put in your fifteen percent off code at high value, and then you enter your coupon code. Remember to do the order correctly because you want to get fifteen percent on high value stuff. That is builtbar.com. It tastes great. It is great for you. You're going to love your first order. I guarantee it. And I want to thank you again for making Lockdown Indians your first listen of the day. Uh, We're going to talk some history. There's actually a decent amount of history to talk about for the day I'm recording, which is on the 10th, and the day this will drop, which is on the 11th. Just some quick hitters. Uh, in 1920 the first Grand Slam was hit in a World Series and the first unassisted triple play in a World Series happened that's the 1920 World Series the Indians would go on to win and win their first World Series uh, the 1948 World Series would have the biggest game in the history of baseball uh, until the 1959 World Series at the LA Coliseum at the time uh, in Cleveland uh, in game 5 there were eighty six thousand two hundred eighty eight fans. That's that's a crazy amount. And then in some not so fun news, uh, in nineteen ninety nine, the Indians got routed twenty three to seven on uh, October tenth facing the Red Sox. I'd forgotten about that game. Maybe a lot of you remember it. Maybe I just intentionally put it on my mind because it's that bad. But uh, did you remember that one? I did not. Uh, other fun ones, uh, you know, the the ALCS loss in ninety nine. You know, it was the next day, so they get smacked around, smacked. Apparently, I'm deciding to put something on that one, and uh, then they come back and lose the next day, even uglier, or not well, not even uglier. You couldn't lose uglier, and they lost. Uh, but in the positive side of things, uh, the Indians beat the Braves in 1948 to capture the World Series on this day. So the Red Sox series went bad against the Boston Red Sox in '99, but in '48, which 48 plus 48 is uh, 96, so it's not quite 99, but it's close. It's almost half as much. Uh, I mean, half of 99 would be, what, uh, 49 and a half. I mean, you don't really have it, it, This has become too much of a math show today. Moving on. Uh, positive winning World Series against Boston, negative getting hammered by the Red Sox as we watch those 90, 90s Indians kind of end uh you know that was wasn't that the last postseason i believe 2000 did not go well for the cleveland indians in my mind i'd have to go dig up but the interesting thing probably the thing that stood out the most in 1947 the yankees trade joe gordon who'd go to the hall of fame who had played in 1000 games for the yankees and had exactly 1000 hits to the indians for ali reynolds ali reynolds is a fascinating character uh in general he you know you look at this trade We can do just a very basic who wins this one. I mean, Gordon helps the Indians win the World Series. I don't know if you really can sit back and be like, okay, A, B, or C won this deal. But the, let's see, Reynolds would pitch for the Yankees in his age 30 year. Gordon would uh, be 32 coming to Cleveland, and he would make the All Star team the next three years uh, in 1947, 48, 49, 50. So they get four years while the Yankees get eight years of Reynolds, and he's an All Star for almost every single one of those years so I you know like I said okay should we do it should we just do the war valuation? well this is weird uh the war (laughs) the war mechanics are broken for Allie Reynolds because I have a hard time believing that this is a player who had a negative war for his career because he has a 25.4 but then when I look at his war valuations in here okay there we go Uh, so when he came over to the Yankees, you got him at 2.4, 1.7, 3.2, 3.7, 4.7, .3, .3, and 1.0. I'm sure that's what everyone wants is me just to read numbers at them. Uh, you know, slightly more value for Reynolds. So Reynolds, I just want to take a moment and talk about. He pitched for the Indians starting in 1942, uh, through 46, age 25, 26, 27, 28, and 29. He played at Oklahoma A&M, which I didn't know existed. He was not a baseball player at the time, uh, When he got there, he was a football player, and he was drafted as a football player, an amazing athlete who was not allowed to play baseball because baseball played on Sundays and his father was a preacher. His mother was Creek, uh, so apparently, doing the reading up on him, he was called Big Chief, but every player who had Native American heritage was called Chief at the time, but Reynolds was called Big Chief. And uh, again, because his father was a, a preacher in the Church of Nazarene, Uh, he was not allowed to play baseball. So he was primarily a football player. He could play softball on his dad's church team because they didn't play on Sundays. Uh, He would go to Oklahoma A&M, be a good enough halfback to get drafted by the New York Giants, but decided to go into baseball. Uh, Luckily, the Indians had a friend of his, uh, or you know, they knew uh, there was a coach on that. That team's coach, I should say, was friends with an Indian scout who signed him and it gets kind of more fun because, you know, this is a guy who went from the Indians to the Yankees. Back then, one of the Indians' minor league affiliates was Wilk, the Wilkes, Baron, Wilkes Barrow Barons, which is now, you know, a Yankees minor league affiliate. But it's fascinating for a guy who, you know, didn't even start playing until 1938 baseball. And by 1942, he's in the big leagues. That, that's impressive. He's one of those guys who's kind of a marginal Hall of Fame case in general. But you think about, like, if he had started a little bit younger had, you know, more than just softball experience, he might have been a Hall of Famer. Uh, interesting to me in that regard. I just, whenever I see, like, this super athlete who got a late start um, and then would go on to be, you know, a really strong pitcher for the Yankees for a lot of years. So Ali Reynolds, uh, not really someone I was familiar with. Uh, Oklahoma guy. I guess, okay, so Oklahoma A&M became Oklahoma State. That's what I missed out on. That's why Oklahoma A&M was a school I had not heard of. Uh, So he was at Oklahoma State, and, yeah, he played from 42 to 54, had not picked up baseball until 1938. Uh, Like I said, I love those stories. I love those guys that kind of – and then there's also the humor of it that the big chief was only six feet. That is – even back then, that was not the biggest pitcher. So still – Fun trade, Joe Gordon would go on to be a Hall of Famer. Allie Reynolds would be the Hall of Very Good type. Both teams benefit. The classic uh, everybody-wins type of trade. Without Gordon, good chance the Indians don't win the 48 World Series, so you can't complain that the y- Yankees got more years out of Reynolds. The Indians already had a ton of pitching anyways. Uh, so it's not like they needed more in D- uh, more. In- it's not like they needed more. Sorry, I was looking at a tweet and... Uh, <laughs> the person in it used the word indeed and all of a sudden I was like uh, I was copying their words uh stop your complaining cat uh but yeah that's uh, that's your bit of Indians history you know Allie Reynolds interesting guy Joe Gordon we've talked about on the podcast before when you're talking about the greatest players in Indians history but Ali Reynolds was a guy I'd heard of I knew the name and I wanted to go and look and do a little bit more diving in so remember to uh, send me questions. It's very helpful, especially in the offseason, to have those bits of information. We'll continue to dive into history. We'll discuss trades. At some point, I'll start going through teams and trying to find uh, potential trades for the Indians. Uh, on top of that, you know, I'm going to start diving through historical draft classes, because that's what people have told me they want to hear as well. I'm going to go back and look at my own data. We're going to sit down and review some of my shadow drafts and see how that ended up working out. But... Yeah, let me know what else you want me to cover. I, the fans, especially in the offseason, this is when this podcast becomes your podcast. You're going to help uh, point me in the directions of what you want to hear, what you want to listen. I have been Jeff Ellis. This has been Locked On Indians Podcast. Remember to rate and review. It really helps. Download daily. Uh, tell a friend. I want to thank you again for making Locked On Indians your first listen every morning. And I remind you to go check out one of the other great uh, you know, Locked On Browns, Locked On Cavs on the network. Again, I have been Jeff Ellis. You can follow me on Twitter at @fmlbdraft. And now, let's go, go, Guardians go.